We hire for culture, we fire for culture, we coach for culture, we promote for culture. Excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality. These are the values the Sam M. Walton College of Business explores in education, business, and the lives of people we meet every day. I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Walton College, and welcome to the Be Epic Podcast. I have with me today April Segabrook and Stan Zalowski. They are co-founders of Movista, and they're also alumni of our MBA program here. So thank you both for joining me today. Thank you for having us. Great to be here. Of course, I want to get into how you started the company, why you started the company. But I still remember way back when you all were first getting it going. I don't remember. You had some kind of a check-in kiosk idea, if I remember correctly. But but now you've got a solution that is being used all over the world uh, by millions of users in retail. And so you've come a long way. If you wouldn't mind, um, let's start from the beginning about how you all met and then how you determined what the major problem was you were going to solve. Uh, so, so Stan and I met in actually a, a classroom down at the University of Arkansas in the MBA program. Um, I was in the full-time program uh, when we met, the, the, the hard program, Matt, where I went to all the classes every day. <laughs> And Stan was in the uh, executive part-time easier program. Uh, it, it is. I'm just kidding. I'm having a fun time. Um, but we actually met in the only place where the two programs uh, crossed. It was called New Venture Development. And I was a finance and entrepreneurship major. Um, uh, Stan finishing the executive one, with, less with a with a major, more of a a general of all of all areas. Uh, when we were in that class, Stan joined um, with an interest of, you know, what could it be like to start your own business? What could it be like uh, to uh, to have the entrepreneurial um, bug, if you will? And in the class, Dr. Carol Reeves was our, our professor, and it was all about writing a business plan. And to write a business plan, you had to first have an idea. And that was actually a struggle point uh, in the class. And we actually did something cool with speed dating. Folks with potential ideas would be stationary, and then folks without would walk, you know, spot to spot and uh, see if it'd be a good match. And Stan had an idea. Um, it was all about bringing command and control to this workforce called merchandisers in the retail industry. And uh, when I got to his his spot, uh, he pitched me on it, and I was again about two years out of undergrad, didn't have as much work experience. And I was like, I don't, I don't quite know what this thing called merchandising is. Uh, sounds like you have a real problem though. And I'm sure you could figure out how to, how to fix it, but I'm going to go over here and cure cancer. So I pass. A week or two later, I came cr crawling back and said, you know, that thing about bringing command and control and uh, driving efficiencies and helping those in the retail sector drive sales. I really like to be on your team. I really like to help. Uh, and he let me back. He was gracious enough to, to let me join. Um, and it was there that we came up with this solution of how uh, we were going to do that, solve the pain, wrote the business plan. We then competed in competitions across the country, 
won a couple bucks. And that was the, the genesis of, of Movista. Well, first of all, I think it's very noble of you to point out that you literally had no idea. Uh, even though you were in the, you know, full-time program being paid to go to school, first of all, April's brilliant and, and, uh, she had lots of ideas, but let me give some credit to Dr. Reeves, who we should all give credit to Dr. Reeves. Um, if you don't know, Carol, you're missing out. I've often said that, um, if we could, if we would ever consider building a statue to a, to an athletic coach, it beats the heck out of me while we don't have a, a statue of, of Dr. Reeves. And if it was life-size, it would, it, how much could it cost? I mean, she's not a large person. So I think we could get this done. Uh, but anyway, this is when she, you know, this was in the foundational uh, time frame of Foundations of Entrepreneurship. And she came to talk to all of us. Back, back then it was called MMBA. You know, she said, look, this is this could be an opportunity. So I just kind of giving you the other side of the of the story. She came in and said, you know, if, if any of you'd be interested, we'd love to have you. And I was the only uh, dodo who who went over. And um, when I walked in the class sort of famously the first day, absolutely the truth, the truth. Um, I was a little nervous, you know, because. The uh, the MBA student, the full-time MBA student. I've known you a long time, Stan. I've never seen you nervous. No, you've never, never. seen me when you knew I was nervous. <laughs> but I'm often nervous. Every time I'm around you, I'm nervous, Dr. Waller. I mean, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, no. So, so in all seriousness, I was a little nervous because, you know, um, I was like the old, you know, the old guy. And I walk into the room before class. I get there early. And there's only one person in the entire classroom and I'm trying to like, you know, I'm the old guy, but I want to get along with these uh, young whippersnappers. And I, I look over at, to, at the young lady and I say, hey, is this management, whatever it was, you know, 4236. And she looks at me and she says, yes, sir. And I immediately felt like I was 250 <laughs> years old. And that was April. And that was April. That's a true story. Let's just take uh, a special note to recognize that I was early. I'm pretty sure she slept there the night before uh, uh, she <laughs> fallen asleep in her chair or something. But anyway, so the uh, but the genesis of the idea, and this will resonate with a lot of folks who who are local and you know in retail is companies spend an inordinate amount of money creating a vision for what every store you walk in is going to 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 look like, what it's going to be. And I know because you were my professor of logistics that you understand the, um, you know, so you got the vision building and then you've got this incredible expenditure around logistics. And it's all about getting the product off the end of the conveyor belt, right at the factory and into the back door of that store. The challenge has been and continues in a lot of cases to be that once it goes through the back door of that store, man, is it hard to understand what's going on with that product. And that is a multi-billion, uh, in fact, some numbers say around the world, it's a trillion-dollar problem out of stock. And so where we decided to invest and uh, work to, to help was in that phase of the game, at the tip of the spear. How do we get the right people to the right place at the right time ensuring that the vision for a store is being executed. And there are people who live on the people side of that, or there are companies that live on the people side of that. 
But the systems they used, and particularly when we're talking now 07, 08, uh, and then when we left and started the company in 10, there were no smart devices, right? And so to your point earlier, we started with this vision of we will put physical kiosk. Think about like a bridal registry, right? Freestanding, 75 pounds, air card, flat screen, the whole deal. We're going to put these in. And we, the first year, that's what we developed around was this idea that, hey, if I'm supposed to go service this store uh, representing a brand, when I walk in that front door, I got to go to this kiosk and check in to sort of be able to get paid for my work. And we were just at the cusp of create two, three, five thousand of these kiosks and distribute them. And the gentleman from AT&T came in to meet with us to talk about getting the equipment spun up. And he pulled this thing out and he puts it in front of him. And it's this, uh, you know, from where I was sitting, it was like a, a little A-frame. And I just didn't know what it was. And I said, hey, wh what is that? And he says, oh, this is the iPad. We just got the iPads in, and they got the iPads, I guess, ahead of time. I hadn't been able to get my hands on one. We'd only read about them. And legitimately, we we picked this thing up, and we kind of turned it over like you would see, like, in a wild nature shows when you see, like, a, some sort of a primate trying to figure out what something is. That's really what we look like. And But when we understood or at least thought we understood what this meant in terms of, hey, here's everything we're going to put in this kiosk. It, it weighs like two pounds, and it's the future. That's where we tossed the idea of the kiosk away, and we pointed all of our uh, sales at, at getting to smart device-driven uh, retail execution platform. Thank goodness you, you all didn't uh... – go through with the kiosks, but, but it also points out something that's true in all entrepreneurship is this idea that you have to pivot that goes on forever, but you've technologies continued to evolve from a software and a processing power and a hardware perspective. So you all have had to pivot multiple times in that regard. That was the biggest one. Was it easy to pivot? to that how did you how did you make that pivot easy was nowhere in the description of uh what it took to make that pivot um this was within the first 12 months of the company every dollar that we had raised from our investors had gone into developing that kiosk and we had and we had so few dollars we had named each of them individually <laughs> That aspect of it, the financial aspect of it, that was that was that was a fun conversation to go, you know, back down to Little Rock and and share with our investors that these two first time entrepreneurs had spent every dollar in the first 12 months on something they now wanted to completely abandon um, and then putting together the business case for them to write the next check to support us to basically back at square zero. Um, to develop on 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 this smart device uh, platform. Then you had the technology challenges. We called the developers in the next day and we had outsourced all our development um, to both do the, the front end designs and then a different group to do the back end development. We called them in one day and said, you know, the kiosk was there in our office. And it was, again, it was just Stan and I. 
the kiosk was sitting there and they'd been working on this thing for again, eight, nine, 10, 11 months. We had, you know, Will's iPad sitting there and we said, pointed to it and said, that's the future. Make it work on that. And they just looked at us, Matt, and said, you two are nuts. A, those things will never stand up in enterprise. They're a fact. Not true. Not true. And, and two, it just technically cannot be done. What you guys are asking us to build over here on this, this kiosk cannot be built and ran uh, in a scaled way over here on this, this consumer-grade device. I mean, when they left, Matt, we were bummed. And, you know, the, 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 the coders had left and the designer stayed back. But, but we, were, we were visibly bummed and, and the designer said, I can do it. I, I, can, I can do that. I can make it run on, on an iPad. He gave us the motivation to do it, and uh, he got us he got us down that path. You have all aspects of it, Matt. You had the financial parts of it, the technical parts of it, and then just the, you know, managing yourself. You're already stressed out and freaked out because you quit your great secure jobs to go chase this software dream, and you have to convince yourself that you're not crazy because you're going to throw away <laughs> everything uh, that you've been working on. So there, there's a lot of parts to it, a lot of a lot of emotions and a lot of uh, thoughts you got to balance. How did you convince your investors of this pivot? Was it easy? I'm going to let you know, we've been doing this uh, 12 years and uh, three months and seven hours and 14 minutes. <laughs> and I, I am fortunate enough to consider you a friend and have your phone number in my phone. And the next thing that happens here that's easy, I will immediately let you know. Thank you. Um, none of it's easy. <laughs> I'll come um, celebrate. None of it's easy. Actually, you know what? I, I'm having fun uh, my normal way, but um, man, our investors, you just appreciate over time what, far more than you do in the moment, the chutzpah of people like James Hendren, the Fund for Arkansas's Future. Um, I I, I, I hesitate to even start going down this road because there's there's just so many people involved, but Chuck Cathy and Jean Eagle at the state and and um, people who aren't with the state anymore and Brad and so forth, um, they helped us so much financially. And, you know, it, it, it wasn't really about convincing them that changing direction was the right decision uh, from a technology standpoint because that wasn't the way that they went about their business. They, to their credit, said, look, you guys understand this problem. Um, we trust you to figure out the right sort of way to navigate this. And that's what they did. It's easy to say like, well, it uh, you pivoted and you went to the smart devices and that's made all the difference. So, you know, you, know, you guys have 100 employees, whatever, whatever. Heck, man. Maybe if we had stayed in the kiosk vein, uh, our early years of adoption would have been faster and we would have ended up circling back, but we'd actually be twice as big now. So that's that's the game that, you know, uh, or alternatively in the other in the other universe, we stayed on the kiosk and died on the vine. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know the yeah, right answer to that. That's a um, great point. Stan and April, I know that you all have been co-founders from the very beginning, and but you clearly have different but complementary roles. Uh, April, I'll start with you. 
Would you tell me a little bit about what your role is? Uh, Matt, that's a, that, that's a good one. Um, we always like to have good defined lines that constantly get blurred. Um, and and I, I say that because there's both of us have strengths that we bring to the table. Um, at the same time, there's things we naturally gravitate being better at um, at one versus the other. Early, early on, actually kind of fun. We would we'd always say, if you need someone to talk about something, you'll go get Stan. If you need someone to go do something and like make something happen, you know, that's on April's side uh, of the table. Um, so we naturally broke up responsibilities between external facing customers, marketing, sales, and internal facing um, product operations and finance. Now, we, we both took on those responsibilities early on. And then over time, as, as the organization grew, we had to find key leaders to, to take one bit or the other off of our plate. It just became too much for one of us to handle. But we also are very passionate about what sits on the other side, the other person's side of the table. Um, you know, I'm very interested in how we're managing customer um, deliverables and 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 setting expectations, and seems very interested in how we're developing the product and the scalability of the tech. So we've got this primary responsibility, but then I think this is important for any founder, uh, or especially co-founders. And PSA, side note, public service announcement: get a co-founder. I don't know how anyone would found a company on their own, um, but it's good for for any any founder or co-founders to hear is having these these um, boundaries, but also respecting that the other person has as much to risk as as you do. Um, and they've com- made the sacrifices, the commitments as you are. So hearing them out and Stan and I over the years have gotten to this really good spot where, yes, things fall on one person's side of the table or the other, but we give each other the grace to share their opinion, if you will. Like you got to have that that flexibility in working with one another, um, which which might brings us to like how we've now taken dismantled the responsibilities, the global responsibilities that we both had to bring other leaders into the organization to now run them. So as much as I had, you know, finance, operations, product and tech, I now own none of those on a day to day basis. Um, we've hired a chief financial officer and hired a CTO and hired a chief product officer. And and that was a big deal for us, a super big deal of finding the right people to, um, you know, continue forward, carry forward and stay true to, to who we are as a company and and honor and, and protect our culture, which is probably a topic that, that Stan could talk about uh, at length. Uh, so we went through a pretty rigorous process to find the right leaders to take over what had always been, you know, traditionally ours. Uh, And Stan went through a similar uh, bit on his side too. Um, But from my side, it was, you know, you break things down into people, process, and and product or, or responsibility. And for us, the number one thing was people. Finding a leader that could connect with our people, that that uh, held similar values from a team and an organization standpoint. Uh, and then, of course, the second one of, of process is, so we like to say at, 
Mobista, the, the the outcome is not to be sacrificed by the process. In other words, we have process to to get us uh, to an end. So it was really tough for us when we brought people in these 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 outsiders, if you will. We didn't want to allow Movista to become something that it wasn't. So we were pretty rigorous and spent a ton of time with these these individuals, Matt. Now it's what I would encourage people to do. If you're looking to bring in um, leaders uh, that are going to either assume some of your responsibilities and or are going to have just an influence on your organization, spend a lot of time with them and in multiple settings. And then, of course, they just got to be excellent in their in their craft. And and we had a couple false starts. I mean, we had a couple, um, you know, folks we brought in that probably didn't make the most sense for us. And what we we always fall back on is recognize it early before you allow it to erode, um, you know, the, the the core foundation or the strength uh, of the foundation you've created. Um, it's a it's a big one for us, Matt. And I know you asked, hey, you know, what responsibilities uh, do I have at Movista? The shorter answer would have been none right now. You know, I've, I've offloaded all of mine uh, onto other leaders. Stan, let's hear from you on that. I don't have a lot of skills. Uh, oh, yeah, right. No, I don't. I don't. I, this is the, I'm going to tell you why you think I do. The, the one that I'm really good at is um, connecting with people and helping them, uh, simplifying complex things sometimes to help them buy in. I, I never met a spreadsheet I liked. Uh, I, lo- I love math, but um, financial statements and those sorts of things—they're um, just not my my bag. April loves that stuff. So, so where it's come for me, Matt, is you know there was a time when we did everything. Obviously, when you start a business and there's only two of you, you literally do everything, right? There's no one else to do those things. Over time, I was more involved in the go-to-market side of the business. Now, I think I have two jobs as as the CEO of this company, I participate very, very heavily in the strategy development, but that, that we do together as a C team. And then my job is to ensure that investors understand how big the opportunity is and why we're the right team to go and seize that opportunity. And so to fund the business, to fund the strategy. And then the second thing is to, um, because I think this is the lifeblood of everything at Movista is to um, nurture our our culture. We have a very very firm grasp on who we are, who what we are willing to do, what we're what we're not willing to do, and you know as April alluded to, we hire for culture, we fire for culture, we coach for culture, we promote for culture. It's the only way I've ever known how to be successful. And I don't really, I'm, I'm too old to change the playbook. And I would summarize our culture in there is a sign that hung above my door when I was in the corporate world and it ha- hangs above our, our door here. And it, and it's, um, it's attributed to Hannibal. I don't know whether Hannibal said it or not. I never met Hannibal, um, but it is, we will find a way or we will make one. And really that's it. Well, especially um, for your business, that's a that's a good motto. And, and I've done it all, Matt. Like I've been a fast food worker. I had a job one time um, putting boxes together in in a warehouse. You don't want that job. Uh, I was using like <laughs> hot tape. I have uh, loaded bags outside the uh, 
the home center. I, I've sort of infamously, I guess, sold uh, home cleaning systems. For I, yeah. I think that experience may have been one of the best experiences you've had. No question. Preparing you. No question. Listen, and I, and I tell my own kids, I have two boys, and I I will. There's no way I will let them get into the professional working world without having an opportunity to try to sell something that no one wants. It is just the best. I mean, you, you're not starting at zero, Matt. When you when you knock on a door and you have to first sell the idea of looking at what you have, it's a great education. You're right. And it toughens you up, man. It, it makes you uh, understand how to keep getting up off the uh, off the mat because, you know, life's hard, man. Business is hard. Business is hard, but you learn so much about people and persistence and grit. That's absolutely the case. But I'm just saying there is a a process, and it doesn't matter if you're trying to raise $50 million from a PE fund in California or if you are trying to get a family, um, you know, who's who's – uh, of of middle means to purchase your book set, they're still the same. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's built, you know, selling yourself first, selling the 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 company or the concept, and then you know, and then the actual item. I think it's something that that is. We need more training on it in school. I agree. We we, we do, you know, and I don't know how you do that, uh, Dr. Waller. Is it a practical that you do over the summers or or whatever? Is you know, Sake does Sake Sake does this. Yeah, that, for uh, those of you listening, uh, S A K E, we actually have a class um, where students sell product through a, com- a company, student-run company called Forever Red. Uh, you can Google Forever Red, Sake, and um, Walton College, and you'll find it's great, great uh, class. But Stan was on the board of that for many years. Are you still? No, but one of the things I look forward to is being able to get back into that <clears throat> service mode. I mean, if you think about April and I, our experience, uh, by the way, April is still on that board. Um, but if you think about our experience at Movista as sort of a bell curve, in the beginning, you know, you're ramping up. It's a little smaller. You can do more things. I was on the board of Trike Theater. I was on the board at Sake, and very fortunate. I'm mean, so blessed to just even be invited to do those things. But there comes a point, Matt, where you don't feel like you you are earning the role, if that makes sense. You know, you go to the meeting, sure, but what are you doing in between the meetings, and how are you truly contributing to the cause? I, I say I say that not really to do anything with me. I just encourage everybody get on a board of a nonprofit. It's unbelievably fulfilling. But then also part B of that is like if you're going to do it, do it. Um, and if you can't do it, you know that's understandable too. St- stuff happens. Stan, I one question I don't know the answer to is how you came up with the name Movista. First thing for listeners. When we were in school in 07, 08, the company was called Merchant Eyes. Just think of the brilliance of that, Merchant Eyes. Sounds like Merchant Eyes. Um, but apparently not everyone loved it. And so when we came back, uh, we, what happened was we graduated in 08. We actually started the company in 2010. And when we did that, 
we decided we would go back with Merchant View. So after a couple of years as a young company, we had not done a whole ton of work on trademarks and things like that because that's, you know, that was a luxury. But we decided we should go trademark our name. And dadgummit, we found out that there was a, <clears throat> a company. They weren't competitive to us, but someone had trademarked the name. And so we said, well, how do you say mobile? Because we were really into this whole fully mobile platform deal. And view, you know, because it's all about I want to be wherever I want to be and I want to see what I want to see. And so literally we on the board, we put all of the synonyms for mobile or or break or, or like partial words. all that. And on the other side, we put every word we could come up with for C or view. Or, and I think, you know, most of you probably know that a Vista is, a, you know, obviously a, um, a view. It's, it's a little bit different term of view, but a view in, in Espanol. And so Movista. And the other criteria was we didn't want anyone to have it trademarked because we couldn't afford to buy it. We had to like come up with something, right? It had to be the Xerox type solution. Well, your your whole company started with a problem. And you solved the problem and you continue to solve problems around that original problem, um, which is common of successful companies. So Stan, I want to ask you a, a concluding question and I could ask you anything, but one thing I've thought of is maybe, maybe advice you might have for students that are considering going into either working in an early stage company or, you know, starting a company, those kind of things. Yeah. Well, for, first I want to mention, Matt, that April has disappeared on us, but uh, she. This is this is life in the big city. This is actually speaking to the students. We have a major client had a had a want need. April went to to go and and do that. I'd start there for what it's like to be in entrepreneurship, no matter how long you're doing it. But I also didn't want people to think that we just sort of like stop talking to April. Listen, I give the same sort of conversation or the same same words of wisdom, if you will, to every student group I speak to. You know, I alluded a little a little while ago to all the different jobs I've had, and I bet you had a bunch. And what I talk about is building your bat belt, about how Batman doesn't have any superpowers. All he has are the tools in his belt. And that's what you get when you learn how to sell or you learn how to read financial statements or you learn how to scrub a toilet, or you learn how to deal with an angry client, or you learn how to break down a project into its component parts and to manage it through execution. And you learn how to deal with a, a, a an employee who when you hire them tells you all the things that they're great at doing and shortly thereafter suffers deep and serious mental uh, memory loss. They're no longer able to do those things. <laughs> All of those components that go into your bat belt, one day you wake up and you're a superhero. The alternative is you go in and there's nothing wrong with the alternative. But the other, the other sort of path you can take is you go into a corporate environment and what's going to happen is you're going to end up being a foot wide and 50 feet deep in some area. And unfortunately, many times that means you're, you're sort of stuck in that area. 
that's usually not, although can be, the best path to, you know, professional freedom, um, choice. Many times it can be, depending on what your definition of affluency is, all of those things that we work for, right? That's what I talk about, Matt, is entrepreneurship prepares you for any eventuality that comes later and allows you to fill that bat belt, belt up like crazy. And then when the battle starts, you're ready. And man, ex employers get excited about that. By the way, quick aside, Abel didn't tell this. When we graduated, when she graduated, we both graduated at the same, the same time, the end of 2008 or in the middle of 2008. She had a job at Walmart. She had an offer. And that's where she was going. She didn't go work in Walmart at real estate. And she probably would have, you know, who knows, Matt, knowing, knowing April, she'd probably be running all of it by now. But I actually sat down and wrote her a handwritten letter. And I said to her, you can go do that. But you know what? You can also go do that in one year, two years, or three years from now. If you come over here and we take this thing and, and try to run it up, you know, try to go, whatever you end up doing and whenever you end up doing, you'll be eminently more prepared for, for the slings and arrows. That's my advice. Do it. Beyond that, um, and, and, you know, look, once you commit to doing it, stay with it because it's going to be hard. And people tell you it's hard and they're right. But, man, I sure I sure would like to be suffering the slings and arrows that that arise early in an entrepreneurial endeavor when you don't necessarily have the same level of responsibilities in your life just yet. Thank you for thinking of us, Dr. Waller, and you always do. And I can't tell you how much we appreciate it and how proud we are to be um, affiliated with the Walton School. Thank you, Stan. We are very proud of you, Stan and April. On behalf of the Sam M. Walton College of Business, I want to thank everyone for spending time with us for another engaging conversation. You can subscribe by going to your favorite podcast service and searching Be Epic. B-E-E-P-I-C.